With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Paul Wheelock as we chew the fat over the major talking points at Goodison this week. Of course, we were with you on Tuesday and back again today in the studio on Friday, and we are looking forward to the FA Cup fourth round tie against Millwall, a game of huge significance, and the lads will be telling me how significant uh, over the course of the podcast. Will be, of course, the, the weekly or bi-weekly discussion about the January transfer window is no news, good news. Uh, we'll also be discussing the future of Phil Jagielka, having a look at Yerry Mina's situation, and almost one year on, is Adamola Luckman a better player than he was when he left for Leipzig? Um, but we'll start. Gav, start with you. Um, Millwall on Saturday. Yeah, the biggest game of the season. Who's asked me hard questions at the start? Um, <laughs> it's dead easy. It is. Uh, yeah, it, I, yeah, definitely. I, I would say out of the thirty-two teams in the in the draw for the fourth round, that that perhaps in terms of our like current position in general, where we want to be, we perhaps have got more to lose than anybody else really in in the draw. You know, when you talk about like sort of the FA Cup meaning nothing, I would suggest out of the thirty two teams in the draw, it probably means more to us than than any other club in the in the competition, to be honest with you. I just I mean, that's just top of my head stuff, by the way. But I can't no, think I of many. That. No, I can't. can't, can't, can't <laughs> think of quite any. articulate, didn't yeah, it? For the top yeah. of the head spiel. No, no, but I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't think of any any other club who's got such an important. No, no, I, th- I think what game. makes it so important is the growing scrutiny on Marco Silva at the yeah. moment, which I think is a little unfair. You know, so given how short a time he's been here, and you know, it's it's literally been a, a six week period of you know sort of rocky results. You know, prior to that, we could see reasonable progress, but modern football, being what modern football is, you know, there is scrutiny on his performance, on uh, the team's performance under him, his ability to motivate players, and. You know, if Everton, you know, the worst was to happen and Millwall were to score an upset at the weekend, that would only intensify. And you'd start getting people questioning, you know, so whether he should keep his job, which I think is absurd for a manager who's only like six months into his job. And, you know, it was done OK in patches, not so, not so well in other patches. That's why it's so important just to put all that into the background and allow him to focus on two, you know, reasonably winnable Premier League games that are coming, you know, so fairly soon afterwards. It's, uh, you can't look too far ahead because they've got to get into the hat first. But, you know, it's very, very important for that reason alone, I think, just to calm people down a little bit and just uh, you know, try and accentuate the positives, of which there are a few at the club at the moment. Willow have Gavin Preno gone over the top there. They hammering it up too much. Is it, is it that vital to the, to the rest of the season? 
No, I'd, I'd be inclined to, to go uh, go along with both guys. You know, I think the Bournemouth game in the first half was pretty poor performance, wasn't it? The first half an hour, and probably for one of the first times this season, that kind of impatience or disgruntlement you could you could start hearing in the stand, certainly in the the main stand where we sit, we 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 could hear it, and then. I know social media is not a great barometer of, you know, or, or reason debate at times, but certainly after Southampton, there was, there was real anger. There was, yeah. Certainly on, on on Twitter, I remember reading it, thinking, "Wow, well, I've, I've not seen this, the likes of this probably since you know since Allardyce because it was such, such a poor performance." Obviously, you guys have reported, but yeah, it's you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be any signings coming in. It's been a pretty miserable six weeks, couple of months. It's kind of like got that perfect storm brewing hasn't it a defeat at Millwall and I, I agree with Dave I, th- I think it's not the time to be going over the top but you know a defeat there at the, the New Den on Saturday you could see people going that way go on, go. yeah I know what I'd say it's not just Mark, you know, pressure on Marco it's pressure on the club to deliver yeah. a trophy isn't it or at least a final appearance so the Marco many respects is carrying that weight of 20 odd years without a trophy, isn't he? As any other ever manager going forward will. But, but he's it. aware of this, though, when he takes the job. No, he is, but I think it's. it's you saw, like, our defeat in the, in the Carabao Cup or whatever, you know, people, Evans supposed to quite rightly take cup competitions very, very seriously. It goes back to what I was saying before, it's probably ser- more seriously than not a lot of lot of uh, sports from other clubs because we've not won a trophy for 20 odd years yeah. so therefore that weight is also on Marco as well as like the short term sort of pressures under because of our performances over the last sort of six or seven weeks talk about not winning cups and it's not getting any easier you, know, you look no. at the, this week I think Chelsea yeah. playing Man City in the Carabao yeah, Cup but, final yeah. you know the very elite teams are contesting all the cup competition finals now. yeah but also as well not necessarily with the first team squad with the, yeah. in that first team you know sure. 11 sorry yeah. and uh, that's that's the other other concern, isn't it? I mean, what what are we expecting from from Millwall? I mean, Wheelow, you may have probably had a better, more recent idea of what Millwall are about. You know, given your previous uh, role uh, covering Blackburn, I appreciate that was a couple of years ago now. But what, what's what's the, what's it like to go to that place? And, and you know, have you any kind of <coughs> handle on what Neil Harris has done down there? It's, it is a genuinely intimidating place. I don't I think it's. I, I don't think it's probably <laughs> as bad as the old den. But I remember certainly one game Blackburn went there. The Blackburn were two up, and Millwall went down to ten men. And you think this is a comfortable win for Blackburn. And Holloway was the manager then, and, and like you can do, he really ramped up the crowd. And it was one of the few occasions in in recent years where I've actually seen a crowd play such a massive right. part in the result. And Millwall came back to to get a two two. So that's always in the back of my mind. It's half five at night. You know, it's probably their biggest game of the season as well as being Everton's. But then again, funnily enough, I watched them on Sky against Blackburn recently, a half-five kickoff, and they were absolutely dreadful. <laughs> you know, he's done a really, really good job there, Neil Harris, getting them up. And then last season, he, he took them to the brink of the playoffs. And, you know, he's a bit of a club legend there, I, I believe. But having seen them against Blackburn recently, they lost a big centre forward and they just looked a poor, mm. you know, at best a mid-table championship side. So really, Everton turn up, play the way they can. Uh, so even the second half against Bournemouth, there should be no should be no problems. But you know, yeah, this is a big game for Millwall as well. It worries me hearing you talk about uh, a big centre forward causing problems there. Just thinking back to the last round against Lincoln, John Akindi. Well, exactly. Yeah. Everson yeah. were absolutely in control and in charge for 25 minutes and bossing things, and then just a couple of long balls and silly free kicks given away in, uh, in positions you know caused them issues. So I didn't really want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, there should be a tie that Everson are you know reasonably confident about winning. But Gav, the, the, Millwall, with all 
due respect as a championship team. Yeah. They're 19th in the championship. This is Everton Football Club. This should be comfortable and dealt with, shouldn't it? On, on paper, yeah. At their ground, I'd say it's a bit difficult, but I think it goes back. I've, I've said this, haven't I? It's hard to play lower division teams away from home because I think there's more pressure on them sometimes. And I think if we can weather, you know, the old cliche of weathering the storm for yeah. the first 20 minutes. <laughs> then. And, and I think you have more opportunities to play football away from home against lower division teams. And, and the two things I'd say is about our history is, is we're very good away from home in the cup. We very really all our poor performances <coughs> in the FA Cup have been at home over the last sort of fifteen years. Been pressure on, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, including losing to lower division clubs yeah. on a few times, you know, um, and also um, away from home against lower division teams over a longer period. We're, we're very, I think there's only Shrewsbury over the last twenty years that I think poor fail was the before then where we've yeah. lost. So we we don't tend we tend to do historically. Well, on a way, way in the FA Cup and away against lower division teams, and I, and I think there's a reason for that because I think you've got more opportunities to play football. So, from that perspective, I'm, I'm comfortable tomorrow. But we have to turn up and put in performance. I think, shall we say, if we do what we did last Saturday at Southampton, I think we could have uh, have problems. I'm expecting that there's a, there's been some harsh words said this week and demands on the players, and I'm uh, I'm expecting us to be fully uh, fully revved up. Uh, Tomorrow's your time. How much football do you think we're actually going to play? Because reading an interview with um, Steve Morrison's their, their big centre forward, he sort of suggests that the pitch is, isn't actually in great nick and never has been particularly. And, and other and teams that have come to Millwall have tried to play and have come unstuck a little bit. And again, that worries me uh, because you know Marcus Silva won't compromise his principles. You know he might make a few changes to his starting lineup, but I think you'll still see the ball passed out to the centre back, sat on the goal line, and trying to play through the line through the midfield, trying to build in a progressive way. And you know that is you know what you should be doing against a lower division team, but. If the pitch is such an issue, that's going to be counterproductive. I mean, that was the issue when Everton played Shrewsbury all those years ago. You know, so it was a heavy pitch. Everton, you know, apparently had trained that morning on a, a very, very heavy school t- uh, pitch under David Moyes. <laughs> and, you know, the players were leggy when they went out there. And, you know, it, it's a cliche. It can be a leveller. But, you know, it can be, you know, so the pitch can prevent teams from playing football. Yeah, I would say quality. I'm not saying like sales of Barcelona in 2009. What I'm saying is like, I expect us to have more time on the ball yeah. a little bit and a bit more space. You know, we may not play like zip it down the pitch, you know, 100 miles an hour, but I expect us to have a little bit more space. And I think if you've got more space and you've got Premier League quality players, you've got a bit more opportunities to show them quality. So that's why I'm pretty comfortable playing down there. Wheeler, who who plays? What's your team? Go on. I think you've got to go as strong as possible. Which, in your view, is Pickford, Coleman still. I'd have no problems playing Baines, you know, if this kind of like right, an, okay. a, a gentleman agreement to, to keep him involved. I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I, I don't know, you, you mentioned uh, Mina. That's a, I'm still not completely convinced. I think it's Keane and one other. Midfield-wise, I think you've got to play Guy and Gomez. Yeah. And then I'd be more inclined to play Richarlison on the left. Yeah. Luckman, Sigurdsson. I just don't know whether this is the game for Bernard, even though I think he's, in the last few games, has been one of the bit more of a positive uh, and then probably uh, Calvert-Lewin up front that's how I'd go or yeah. it, it might not be the, what's termed the strongest team but that to me that's a strong team that feels, that feels strong strong to me I'm almost in 100% agreement I would just make you know one change and uh, Seamus Coleman you know hasn't been doing it recently and uh, John Joe Kenny 
I think, deserves the opportunity as much as Coleman needs the rest. And so, you know, I would make that change. Uh, you know, got to be full strength the rest of the defence. You know, Keane and Zuma for me. Um, left back Bainsey, yeah, no problem with that. You know, save Dean for the Tuesday. Uh, but other than that, absolutely, as you've said, Bernard, for the reasons suggested, the pitch could be dodgy. You know, it's um, quite, uh, you know, an intimidating place to go. Could be a physical battle. Um, Calvert-Lewin has to play centre-forward I just, you know, if Tosin is not going to be involved, which it looks like, you know, Silva's given up on him, I think Calvert-Lewin has to play there and to keep the balance of the team right, that means Richarlison left, Sigurdsson middle and then uh, Luckman or maybe Walcott, I'd be tempted to bring Walcott back in actually, no, rather than Luckman Uh, I know you're going to talk about Luckman's form later on uh, but Walcott wasn't doing massive things wrong, you know so when he got pulled out, Luckman had one bright game, one iffy game I bring Walcott back in just for the pace, you know. Would you not play Luca Dean? Uh, Gavin go absolutely full strength. I think the fact they've got a game on Tuesday might come in, come into it. Um, I've got not got a problem playing Baines. To be fair, even though this is the biggest game of the season, I, I think it's a marginal thing in terms. Of if you, if Luca Dean's going to play on Tuesday, I, I'd, okay. I'd, I'd say I wouldn't have a. If there was no game on Tuesday, I'd, I'd play. I'd play Dean. Uh, the other one, the couple, of, I definitely agree. Richarlison left Calvert-Lewin for his physical presence up front. Wilcox, yes, um, scored at the, for the new at the new Dan, by the way for Southampton uh, okay. and Sigurdsson. I'm just wondering whether he may want to give some game time to Eddie Mina on Saturday. On the on if you if you carry forward the, the Leighton Baines rule of giving some game, game time to people, they were just marginally away from the first team at the moment I'm just wondering whether he might drop Keane and play Yeri Mina we've not seen Yeri Mina if memory serves since the FA Cup game in Lincoln where he seemed to lose concentration I think he, he seemed to lose the fact that this was actually he still had something to do after 20 minutes when we'd gone 2-0 up and John Akindi drew mistakes out of him yeah, I think Steve Morrison, if he's if he's playing, of course, a far more seasoned striker, a better striker than John yeah, Kindy. But it's a different game. No, we're away from home. And make, put it this way: for two and a half at Millwall after twenty minutes, I think uh, take it from there. But yeah, I mean, but just thinking if what our ideal team and what might be selected are two different things. And I just think he might just give some game time, just give him keep him happy as well, because you don't. What was it? What did we pay for him? Twenty-seven million. Yeah. To keep him on the bench permanently, I'm not so sure. I, I think I, I, he may play him instead of, say, Keane. I'd definitely play Zuma. Uh, Coleman, yeah, perhaps he could be rested as well. That's another marginal thing, isn't it? Very I mean, we've all just taken for granted that Jordan Pickford plays because he has to. Yeah, <laughs> surely, surely. What's, um, what's going on with Yerry Mina? It wasn't this. It wasn't too long ago. This podcast <coughs> slash Gav was proclaiming him to be uh, a future captain of this football club. But look, I, I for, for my opinions, I still think he's he, there's a very good defender there. Um, why why do you think he's not in the team? Jory's out with me just because I've not seen enough of him. You know, like I, probably the the last memory of him was that game against Lincoln where he kind of got bullied by this lower league centre forward and I think you're right Phil I just don't think he was kind of expecting it and I think he, certainly the first half he was he was all at sea wasn't he he was at fault for the the lead was the he, goal wasn't he, he? he gave the, the free, free kick, kick that yeah. he scored from 
the comes a point though because Never a free kick by the way I'd like to just throw that one but in he was clever wasn't he <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just the yeah. forward he knew what he was doing yeah. but there comes a point when he surely he's got to play because I don't know the situation with Zuma but having read previously what he said he sees a future himself or wants to see a future himself at, at Chelsea and, and given the kind of like situation the club's in over in terms of transfers certainly this window does it come a point where we've got to play Mina because yeah. he he's an Everton footballer and Zuma may not be here next season and, and that may be harsh on Zuma because I think he's been a pretty good addition to mm. the squad but yeah if, if tomorrow if he if he plays and does well that, there's an argument that suggests that he needs to play every week then even yeah. if though and, and you're absolutely right Wheeler but even if though Marco yes Zuma has as you rightly say he came when he arrived, he, he, he kind of made it clear that he sees his future at Chelsea. But but there's been a lot of water going under the bridge at that point. He's played a lot of football for everything. He's doing well. If Marco and Marcel are thinking, well, we would like to keep him, do they not just have to play who, who deserves to be playing? And if that's Zuma, play? It's a great shout. You know, it is a really good shout because the one position Everton are fairly, you'd say, fairly strong in at the moment is centre-backs, you know, to have those three and then Jags whenever he's fit or when he's, you know, he's uh, considered for selection and then obviously got Holgate out on loan. And in this day and age, you do need three top-class centre-halves. I, I kind of forget that Zuma's on loan because that's a problem in the summer, isn't it? Because I can imagine in the, the fee that he would command given he's had a pretty good season, mm. where does he lie on the, the list of priorities, you know, and how much money will be available to spend? But no, you're, you're spot on, Phil. I've not thought of it like that. If Brands and Silver want him... Mm. You're not going to drop him then, are you? So it's a bit of a bit of a conundrum for him, I imagine. But does Zuma want to compare it in the summer anyway? All the noises so far. Is he getting a look in at Chelsea though? Yeah, but every, everything he said so far suggests he sees this as a short-term option. But yeah, people's minds can change. You know, Lukaku playing regularly. Yeah, hundred percent. So, would, I mentioned this earlier on about changing the shape of team earlier on this week about would you play? If you brought me in, then would you play Keane at right back? Given cliche time oh, again, I, said, I, I, I think Michael Keane's physical Michael presence form yeah. this season okay. has been really, really good, and I'm thrilled that he's turned it around. Okay. But on the turn, I think the 86 bus is quicker, isn't it? <laughs> with, <laughs> with the greatest respect. Look, yeah, well, that causes a problem at centre half as well, doesn't it? No, but I think he's. I think positionally it's centre okay. half, and I think he's got enough protection either side okay. of him that he can do the job. Full back, he can't get up and down. Yeah, just taking the physical presence and all that. But yeah, okay. Just also mention it. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. Just offered my opinion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did mention Jagielka. Jagielka looks like he will miss the tie uh, through injury. Um, Brennan, he's only made two appearances this season. Uh, first was obviously Wolves on the opening day yeah. when he was sent off, uh, and then the second one was a cameo appearance at Chelsea in the league. Out of contract in the summer, you obviously know what the question is going to be. Does he? Does he deserve? Does he get a new deal? Under normal circumstances, you would say no. You know, time to you know sort of end what has been a very very uh, impressive Everson career. You know, sort of move him on elsewhere. But we don't know because we don't know what his levels are at. You know, he's uh, he's been out for so long. We haven't seen him play. Um, the brief occasions that we have, you know, he's still the club captain, you know, so and he, he was looking uh, in reasonable nick on like the brief occasions that we have seen him play. So, you know, Marco Silva will know better than us whether he's capable of um, influencing things. He's influencing things in the squad and in the dressing room, and by all accounts, is very, very important in that respect. But then it goes back to the previous, uh, you know, sort of issue, doesn't it? Whether Zuma is actually kept on or not. If Everson still have Zuma, Keane, and Mina next season, I'd suggest that, you know, probably there isn't room for Phil Jagielka. If they can't persuade Zuma to stay, 
possibly as a short-term option. You know, there always has to be a time to cut loose, you know, and say farewell to, you know, to even like, you know, the, the longest, you know, club servants. Uh, and Jagielka has been, you know, so an outstanding club servant. But I think the time is possibly looming now where we may be seeing the end of him. I've asked Silver a few times myself. I know you've asked him about it, whether Jagielka is going to get a new deal. And he always plays a straight bat. <laughs> he will not answer it, which suggests to me he isn't. You know, otherwise they'd be talking to him by now. Yeah. So. No, I don't think he should. I think it was thirty-seven in the summer. Um, goes back to what I was saying the other week about Silver. If he's got a three or four-year contract, that how many? What what would be points of having Jackie Elker in those circumstances? Forty-year-old Jack. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's on significant wages. And he's on well. significant yeah. wages. The other points he's going to make. I mean, he could do, have a new contract on low wages. Could yeah. pay as yeah. a player or whatever. So it doesn't have to necessarily carry forward with the uh, his current wage packet. But. Um, no, I don't. I, 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 you've got to be a little bit ruthless here. You know, he's been a great servant to us. And the thing about Jackie Elker is he could have been even better if it wasn't for doing his yes, his, yeah, yeah. his yeah. cruise ship wasn't in 2009 when he was there or thereabouts, one of you know one of the lead yes. centre halves in the Premier League. He's one of the few defenders in the last ten years who won Premier League Player of the Month, isn't he? Mm. You still know, look very, at still yeah. look at those that footage and those pictures of when it happened and it's just horrible, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he played Pete Torres really well, hadn't he? Twice at Anfield early on that year, and he he could have been an even better player. He's been a great, you know, he's been a great servant and stuff. But I'm just wondering, he could have. He was only what 27 and matured into the next mm. couple of years into an absolute top top class centre half, which he, you know, he was on occasion. There's those links with Arsenal about that time as well. Yeah, do you yeah. And I just thought that year and playing, especially playing with Lescott. They were a great partnership, mm. you know, and I think great servants and all that for the club. Um, but you know, you've got you've got to cut your, you know, connection, haven't you? At some point, and I'd, I'd say thanks, Phil. I mean, I would imagine there'd be one or two other clubs looking for and perhaps mm. lower down. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Indeed, but uh, it doesn't sound like Jagielka is going anywhere until the summer, maybe at the least. Um, as we said at the top of the podcast, we will talk about January window. Um, Preno, as I said, is no news good news this <laughs> month? No, it's not. I think Everton need a centre forward. You know, as, as a matter of not urgency, but you know, it, it's being clear. You know, ever since Romelu Lukaku was sold, you know, so Everton need a top class centre forward to replace him. Cheng Tosin, you know, has never been that individual. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is still trying to develop into that individual. So, you know, so Everton needs that player, but we're not going to get one. I mean, uh, what was the phrase from Marco Silva? The financial conditions are not right is the feedback I'm receiving from the board. In other words, Farhad has seen so much money absolutely squandered over the last couple of years that he quite understandably and quite correctly wants to see some of those ridiculous wages off the wage bill before he ploughs any more back into the, in inverted commas, pro because it is terrifying when you look at some of the names. I mean, we did a piece today which went up at lunchtime about the players who are still on the club's wage bill who aren't anywhere near the first team. And there's like about uh, eight or nine individuals and it comes to just shy of £750,000 a week, three quarters of a million pounds a week being spent on players' wages that aren't anywhere near the first team, that aren't in the first team squad. Some are out on loan, uh, only half of them. Uh, so some of those wages will be picked up by the uh, the club that's recruited, but that's terrifying, and that's why you know. So he's not spending. This if January. you think about that, what was our last wage bill in the accounts? One hundred and forty-one million. The three quarters. Yeah. yeah. Three quarters of a million a month for twelve months. A week. A week. Sorry, yeah. so that's what three million a month. Yeah. 
36 million a year. So that's a quarter of your yeah. wage bill. Effectively based, wasted. Based on, on players who are not even yeah. there. The, the, the starting 11 for the 18, you know, <laughs> starting 11 or 18 on match day. And that, quick that's maths, that Gav. Well, you know what I mean? I occasionally have moments. Silly struggling with the mumps. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but it's frightening me if you put it in that context. The course of the wage bill, or thereabouts, yeah. is on players who are not even near getting into the first I mean, I mean team. That, that is partly a legacy of, you know, the, the policy of hiring and firing. Of You know, when, yeah. you, when you sack one manager and bring another in, clearly he's going to have his own ideas. And so players that were deemed useful by one manager are not are useless to another manager. So that's what, you know, has happened, you know, too often you know, for Everson's liking. And it's why, you know, hopefully we'll have a period of stability now where we'll see a squad actually put together that is actually fit for purpose. Because at the moment, it isn't. There's yeah. just so many players that aren't playing a useful part. Yeah, I think I think it's also a legacy of when Farhad came. He said, didn't he, we've got a window. window. So in some respects, he was, he was talking about gambling in a different sense, wasn't he, at the last ADM? But that was a gamble in itself, you know, in terms of we are going to pay big money because we want to, we've got this small, relatively small window to get ourselves near the top. Well, he also said at the, yeah. at the GM, Gav, sorry to interrupt, that he actually thought going into that summer that we were set for a top four challenge. That's why he ba- he bankrolled, you know, a record sum yeah. of spending, you see. Yeah, but the same old, got to buy the right players, haven't yep. you? You know, and as Penno says, we, we've chopped it, we've bought players in because managers being relieved of the duties and stuff and that hasn't helped. But it's the amounts per week. That's the the issue on players who were sort of late 20s and stuff. Mm. We're just like, they no resale value or very little resale value. Not necessarily going to figure in the first team for the, the, the periods of the contract. And um, that's the, it's the, it's the big money. I mean, you know what players were talking about here, you know, who were no, nowhere near the first well, team. Well, it's why Marcel Brands was recruited. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the previous strategy, if you can call it that, didn't appear to have any kind of purpose or direction. And like you say, you know, players who were, you know, in the late 20s were being, you know, purchased for huge, well, you know, fairly sizable transfer fees with the knowledge that, you know, 12 million quid for Ashley Williams, was it 25 for Yannick Bolassi? The knowledge that by the time their contracts have expired, they're going to be very, very, you know, s- small, if anything, transfer fees that can be recouped. And then there's the wages as well, you know, so on top of that. And that's just two players plucked at random. There's, there's been an awful lot. Yeah. And there will have been some very sort of wise people out there who... who who were concerned by some of the spending that was going on, some of the players, but a lot of us, you know, and you know myself included, can't be going after timer and go, oh, I can't believe we did this. I was, mm. I was infused by that sort yeah, of record well, spending. That's a classic example, Sandro. Yeah, I thought he was going to be yeah, brilliant. One hundred twenty thousand a week in a five-year deal. Yeah, yeah. But to be paid was it six million? Was five, five million, million, three million. Okay. That was unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, that and one, everybody yeah. who was experts on Spanish football, I think even. Gaddy Neville put us two pennies worth and said that this is one of the bargain signings of the summer. You know, good pedigree, La Liga, has got it, got it in into making the Premier League. And you think, well, actually, that sounds like a really good financial deal, that. Until actually shows that actually that may not necessarily be the case. You've got somebody on 120 grand a week who's maybe, not in the, maybe, the first team. Maybe ne- Neville's. Uh... Lack of success in La Liga should have been. <laughs> yeah. should, should have set the alarm bells but, but I did see one Spanish expert saying, like, just generally about that window when the yeah. top ten signings, and he was in there. Yes, you know, I, remember, and, yeah. and, I think it was Sid Lowe in the yeah, garage, yeah, wasn't it? and uh, so 
it just hasn't worked out. So that is a classic X1 yeah. example, isn't it, of that, that type of thinking? It's, it's why you've got to be yeah. absolutely sure of the players. I mean, David Moyes, I know you'll throw Per Crawler about me now, but, you know, so David Moyes generally did his homework to such a ridiculously deep degree on players that he was always pretty confident that, you know, the players would have an impact before he, you know, committed decent sums of money at them. And Crawler's the exception that proves the rule, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it's knowing the players. Uh, I always think back to when um, Everton were linked strongly with Bobby Zamora uh, down at Brighton. And I remember uh, we went down, was it Bill Kenwright and somebody else to watch him? I remember talking to Walter Smith saying, you know, why have they gone down to watch him? You know, are you that close to signing him? And he was saying, no, no, no. They just want to, you know, so have a look at him. No, we won't be signing him. I said, well, why? You know, so he looks quite promising. It's the wages. He says that, you know, he, he's bright at the level he's at at the moment. But if he comes in at Everton and he doesn't succeed, how can we move him on? And, you know, I think the phrase he was talking about then was like 30 grand a week or 40 grand a week, which was huge back then. Mm, yeah. And it was quite sensible planning, you know, which clearly hasn't been the case in the last uh, couple of years. <laughs> Wheeler, sorry, Gaff. Sorry, bring, sorry. bring Wheeler back in. Um, your jaw was on the floor this afternoon, uh, Wheeler, when you were reading that piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, 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 was there one player and the reported wages that sort of has just left you absolutely baffled? <laughs> I'm sure all of them. <laughs> it was just a combined, it was that 750 grand figure, and it makes complete sense now why <clears throat> Michel was going to seemingly keep his powder dry unless he's you know, he gets tempted to do something at the very last minute in the next uh, seven or eight days. My concern is that it won't just hamstring the club in this present window. It's going to hamstring the club in a number of windows because to go back to my Blackburn experience, it's on a lesser scale. After they went down, they signed Danny Murphy for 40 grand a week, Dixon a two for 40 grand a week, Leon Besser for 35 grand a week. I know that seems small fry compared to the mm. figures that Everton are paying currently, but they just gone down from the Premier League to the Championship. And in the same way that Evertonians, like myself, was a bit giddy in that summer about the players coming, I know for a fact Blackburn fans were as well, didn't work out in the same way that a number of these players haven't worked out. And Blackburn ended up at the very very worse subsidising their contracts with loan deals. Like, I remember Best was on like 35 grand a week and at Best, they got something like 12 grand of that back. And the fear is, who's going to take Snydlin on loan and pay him 120 grand a week? Who's going to take Balassi after what happened with Villa and pay 75 grand a week? Who's going to pay Sanzo with what he's done on loan and pays 120 grand a week? And it sounds like the club's going to have to factor that, that in for a number of years unless Machiri just goes, oh, forget it you know raise some more money but as you said rightly today Dave he's got every right to go you know what we've got to be a bit more careful and it, it was really 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 concerning reading that but you're right with the benefit of hindsight it, it's easy to say that isn't it and at the time I like I imagine a number of Evertonians I like everyone in this room was, was pretty excited but it's just worked out absolutely mm. terribly um Gavia, this will obviously be the first, assuming nothing happens in the next four days, four or five days, which we don't think it will, of course, the first window under Mashiri's stewardship that we yeah. will not have spent a, a penny in a transfer window. So indicative in that in that sort of in that respect. Yeah, and totally agree with Wheel out there is that you know the the deceived wisdom when you read stuff, you know, uh, it'll take brands and silver like four or five windows to sort the inheritors mess out. But the assumption underpin that is that we will have activity in all four or five of them windows or six windows, whatever. You know, not going to do anything this year. As you said, Paul, quite rightly, the same players are probably going to be there in the summer, are they? Um, and the, you know, you're going to have the same problem. There might be one or two ship out, but the people on big money, 
that we're talking about, is it? it it's gonna it's gonna stymie things. It's not gonna be a straightforward thing. Oh yeah, get rid of like we did last summer. That was the easy bit in some respects, wasn't it? This is the hard bit now of shipping players out on big contracts near the end of their career. Well, we only managed to sell three players last summer. Yeah. So but, think about the number of players that still left that we'd want yeah, to sell. Yeah, it was, it was just getting rid of the numbers, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, last, last year. And we still got loans out there, but the players that are left, as you're saying, a disproportionate impact on the on the salary bill, haven't they? It's a small number of players in, 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 in absolute terms. You may, you may be talking five or six players, as you're saying. And uh, if they're still in the summer, then that still causes problems because, you know, Dinkin might go down because you've got no Europa League. Um, and that type of stuff. So uh, it, it's going to be diff- a lot more difficult, I think, for Silver and Brands than what we anticipated, uh, you know, what last you, summer. What do you do, Gav, then? Say, example, let's use Sandro as the example. You know, he's still, what, he's only, he'll only be two years into a long-term contract this summer. Do you continue as the football club to try and sell him but not get anywhere and then farm him out on loan a club will pay some of his wages but probably not all or as Marco Silva and Marcel Brands you get together and go right let's keep him and that's your job Marco to try and get something out of him because he's not going to go anywhere nobody will buy him in in the absence of a centre forward you mean as well yeah uh, but what, what what's the other alternative to your second bit what's the other alternative there is no alternative that, that is Essentially, the, the only alternative they've got. Yeah, they can't, they can't the have other, a player. Yeah, ones around the training. You know that, that, that this causes another problem, doesn't it? On the training ground, you've got a group of players who are just wandering around aimlessly, not really contributing to the first team eighteen or whatever, and that that can have a, like a negative impact on the club. So, in some of those instances, like you, you got to rethink it again. Different manager, different playing style. I can only say that they've looked at them already mm. and thought, actually, I'm not so sure, but. Uh, I don't know. Don't know what other alternative they've got other than trying. The only thing, if there's no buy-offs, you could you could ship him out on loan and hope that you alleviate half or a percentage yeah. of his wage off off the bill. But yes, he, he comes back on again at the end of the loan. So. Yeah, yeah, and if it's just just a small percentage. Is is it worth or, it, or do yeah. you just do you just accept a very very low transfer fee just to get the wages off the? Well, off, then off the, somebody yeah. else has got to match his wages. If you were on that at that amount, uh, well, he, you know, the which, player also has to be realistic. Yeah, yeah, and if he depends what his uh, as, uh, you know appetite is for first team football, isn't it? Balanced against the financial rewards that he's currently getting, uh, insist him on that, isn't he? Write your thesis on that one. Couldn't <laughs> you? Uh, yeah. Pre- at the end of the three, just just last one on this. At the end of the three year contracts of Marcel and Marco, could you still see players from a different era on the books? We talk about Sandro got a long term contract. He won't be the only one who feasibly could still be here, still tied to the football club. Well, yeah, 100% because, you know, you've got to find, you know, potential suitors to take those, uh, you know, players off your hands. You've got the, the Yannick Balassi situation now is, you know, so absolutely indicative of that, you know, where he's gone away on loan, he's not enjoyed the experience. So I'm on, a, you know, sort of big salary at Everton. I'll go back there and I'll take my chances there. Why would you look to go on anywhere else? I mean, I know I refer to it again, that, you know, Sunday Until I Die documentary, which is great, by the way, on Netflix, if anyone's not seen it. And Jack Rodwell, in exactly that situation at Sunderland, and was hauled in by the chief executive, uh, Martin Bain, and said, look, you know, you're crippling the club, you need to move on. Why should he? You know, so he's being given a wage, you know, so that, you know, he feels he can contribute. They don't want him to contribute. So, well, I'll just sit there and I'll, you know, I'll pick up the wages and just train every day. There'll be players at the club that will continue to do that. And so, yeah, it's quite feasible um, that, you know, those kind of players will still be around. And so... (laughs) 
you don't want to think that way because it could take some time other than, you know, conducting some kind of fire sale and, you know, giving the players away just to lose the wages, which again... 50% off at Goodison Park. Again, it's not particularly prudent financial, you know, sort of conduct. That, well, if, you're, if you're like some of the, the older players, why would you want to leave? Yeah. So if you're, you know, name and names at Schneiderlin. Yes. I don't know how old tomorrow in these days, 29. I think. Yeah, whatever, he's on six figures. We think so, yeah, we think I so. I think so, you know. Why would you want to move a 29 to another club for a quarter of that wage? Presumably because you want to play. You're a footballer. But but he's he's had like a sort of decent... He's had 10, 11 years, hasn't he, playing for... It's a slightly different situation with Sandro, who's sort of at the start of his career, who who perhaps still wants to to have a a lengthy Mm. career. People like Schneiderlin and probably Yannick Balassi might fall into this category. Um, you know, allegedly, but you know, it's just like at the end of your career, it's a, diff- it's a different question with them, isn't it? Yes, uh, because they've had the bulk of their career and they may come here for one last big payday. They want, might want to just retain that and just live off that, you know. Interesting, we could talk for hours, no doubt, on that, and we'll probably pick up it again next week as we head towards deadline day and, and see whether anything changes on the landscape with Everton. But before we wrap up, um, it's almost. 12 months it will be next week on deadline day. 12 months since Adamola Luckman fought for a low move away to RB Leipzig. Um, he enjoyed his spell. He wanted to, to move to, perma- uh, to Germany permanently. Everton dug their heels in. And after some difficulties, he is back in the team. And, well, decent chance, Wheelow, of playing on Saturday. Is Luckman a better player now than he was when he left for Germany? I think he's a different player. When he first broke onto the scene, uh, he was to me. I thought he was more your archetypal winger. I thought he was going to be a flyer down the line, and maybe he was just playing with that kind of like youthful exuberance. But I remember there was a game. And I think I might have said this before, so I'm going to repeat myself. But I think it was a game against Sunderland at home where his confidence just dropped, mm. and like I think it was when one two 0 and Guy scored and Lukaku scored. And and then something went wrong with him. And I think last season, like the clamouring for him to to come back in was almost because people had forgotten about him you know like sometimes you think players get better the longer they're yes. out to the side yeah. or they're, they're away on loan uh, and I wasn't that fussed and certainly at the start of the season the pre-season game against Valencia I was still very much like well I think he's still got a lot to prove but in, in these recent weeks I think he's become a more intelligent footballer than, than I certainly gave him credit for uh, I really like the way he kind of finds pockets of space and I know Marco Silva was saying at his press conference yesterday that he does have to improve his goal output and get and get in the box and in the end the chances but there's something there and particularly in light of the conversation we've just been having I think Everton now need to build the side around these kind of 21, 22 year olds because if I know this sounds terrible but if Luckman becomes an absolute world beater and Everton over these next two or three years have got these hamstrung by these massive wages you may have to sell one or two Absolutely, you know yeah. you know to, to get back in you know to get back on a more even financial keel because you can't keep on spending and spending money so I I think it, it becomes even more pressing now that Calvert-Lewin and, and Luckman if they're good enough get a chance mm. I really do Bruno do you think the football club and particularly Marcel and Marco who, who were obviously the voice and the and the the so the personification of of the club over the summer deserve more credit for for their policy in keeping Adamola from the word go. It was clear, and despite everything that was going on, despite Leipzig hammering at the door repeatedly all summer, despite the player wanting to go, they said no. And do you think it deserved more credit for for standing firm and the, and the message that that sends out? I guess only if he ultimately turns out to be successful. Um, I am still unconvinced. Um, he certainly hasn't, you know 
achieve the levels of consistency uh, that we hope he needs to achieve. And, you know, Silver read out a list of a couple of things he needs to um, improve upon uh, to hold down his place in the first team squad. I think there's a, a slightly better player than we saw at times last season. And he was so naive and so raw when he first came into the, the first team. I mean, I know scoring that goal against Manchester City was arguably the most... The worst thing he could yes, have done, yeah, because you know, people automatically expected you know to be you know figuring regularly, and he was still a child. Effectively, he was still like you know sort of learning his craft, um, and he's done that you know quite spectacularly, but still not to the level that warrants him holding down a place in the Premier League week after week after week. Hopefully, that will come, you know. And, I know we've referenced it so many times because we're getting on a bit now, Gavin. We remember the incident. I don't know what you're looking at me for. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I've, I've seen this happen yeah. with so many Everton players in the past. Yeah. Great Everton players like Graham Sharp and Trevor Stephen that were, I wouldn't say slow burners, but you know, they were certainly in their early 20s, 22, 23, before they absolutely suddenly flourished. And um, I remember a great line that Ian Ross wrote once in the uh, in the Daily Post about uh, how Graham Sharp craves confidence as much as I crave a date with Bo Derrick. <laughs> <laughs> it just always stuck with me. And uh, you know, clearly there was a, n- a number of things lacking in his game. Uh, and yeah, that was one of them. But suddenly, all the uh, you know pieces fell into place, and they became great great players because Howard Candle, Colin Harvey, and Co had identified the potential that they had. Now, hopefully, to bring it up to date, uh, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva have done that. They've identified the potential that you know Adam Oliver still has to realise and that's why they're being patient with him if that potential is realised yes they do deserve credit you know for sticking with him and for persevering with him uh, if it doesn't come off well not, nothing lost I suppose you know so in the meantime so in a long-winded way yeah I suppose we'll give them some you know sort of <laughs> backhanded credit God, do you think it was right that we didn't cash in so to speak and do you think there was maybe there is that. Do you share that fear? Maybe that there is a, a growing talent drain towards the Bundesliga of these young English talented players and absolutely you know, young Anthony Gordon and other Everton players. We spoke about this last week, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Mentioned as uh, you know, been linked this uh, this uh, year. Apparently, there's uh, the only place after the world that the most place in the world where you see the most number of international scouts outside the World Cup is at under twenty three yeah. level in the in the Premier League, isn't it? Um, all looking for and championship as well, isn't it? Looking at Premier League loanies, yeah. So it is. It well, it's not a concern of sort of other other clubs. It's a concern when it's our club, I suppose. Mm. And um, and it's benefits. Let's face it, it, probably benefits the national team if you're an England supporter, doesn't it? Because it gives opportunities for players to to prove themselves that actually don't get in the Premier League. So as a football supporter, not worried as. And Everton supports that I am if it's one of our players or as you say there's been a couple um, regarding Luckman I think I think he's marginally better I do I take away point that he looks a slightly different player um, I think um, it's haven't made that big play of keeping him we've got to give him game time and I'd be quite happy you know what Pleno was saying there it's just playing between now and the end of the season just give him that run of games haven't haven't forced or been determined to keep hold of him because not as if you've got loads of other options there. Actually, players are playing really well. That's like keeping out the team. It's, it's like it, it, it is. We've had problems in that sort of front area all season, and just give him, give him the, all the game time he needs between now and the end of the campaign, and, and see how it see how it pans out. For, for that to happen, though, it's got to have a very brave manager that's prepared to do that and accept that results might not be what he wants while that is happening, and an equally resolute board that will support their manager. Because this is like what happened last season when Sam Allardyce had that opportunity to suddenly take the shackles off and start playing expressive, yeah. entertaining football and refused point blank because he wanted to just grind out results because he thought that would keep his job. 
uh, ultimately it backfired. But you know, the, the board and the um, the managers got to be brave well, to do yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, I get that. But do you think Dave as well goes back to what I was saying? Is we haven't got any great alternatives at the moment oh, yeah. to appear to be better than yeah. them. You know you what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. ultra cons- if, consistent. If Dio Walcott's been scoring a yes. goal, goal every two games this season, he'd be saying, "Well, hang on a minute. You know, let's see how Luckman goes." But actually, from what we've seen from other players, not just Walcott, he, to me, he must be given that opportunity. But maintain a decent level of performance, almost like a three on ten performance every week. Maintain it. He's given the benefit of the doubt mm. um, because I think. I think there's. I, I do like him, and I think there's a player there. He, 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 as you say, he had that like goal, and then was it Middlesbrough away for? Was he had a bit of a mare, didn't he? Had two he? really good chances. Yeah, and didn't I think score, Ronald yeah. wasn't happy with him, was he? Yeah. And I don't think Ron, Ron was as well. But I just think they, that for me, he's got to maintain a good level of performance. But on that assumption, keep him in the team between now and the end of the season. Which begs the question about what you do with Walcott, but that's it. That's for another, another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another of those players on big salaries. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, that's yeah. the elephants in the room, isn't it? Yeah. With Theo as well, another one. Indeed, uh, chaps, thank you very much for your company. And before we uh, wrap up, uh, I have to get your predictions for tomorrow's FA Cup fourth round tie. Uh, start to my left. Wheelow, Millwall versus the Mighty Blues. What's your prediction? I think. Classic cliche, but I think the first goal is absolutely crucial. Uh, when I was following the blog last week, when you said Phil that Everton only took two points from losing positions, that absolutely like cut a knife through me, and I just could not believe what I was reading. If Millwall score first, I think it could be a really, really tough evening. But uh, they're not a great side, you know. They'll be up for it. The crowd will be, you know, we'll get right behind them. But Everton should have too much quality, so I'm going to say two 0 to Everton. Clean sheets. Um, the gulf between the Premier League and the Championship is significant uh, nowadays, and that should speak volumes. Uh, Everton are going to win 3 1. Gav? Going to go with 2 0 for Everton, not Millwall, which is what it was in 1973. Remember, remember that? that was a long time ago, which I remember. It's a Millwall. Yeah, Millwall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 2 0 to Everton, clean sheets, and. Uh, Puts on the, on the road to Emily then, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah. I agree with Breno 3 1. I think that's, uh, I think we will have more than enough, and but I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet, sadly. But uh, fingers crossed that uh, we do keep a clean sheet and have a smooth passage through to the fifth round of the cup. Uh, myself and Sam Carroll will be in London, so you can follow us, keep up to date with all the updates from the game. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and the ACAST app, so please do. And thanks once again. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.